Welcome to a new episode of BIM Voice. Today's guest is Hassan Yumer, who is a project and BIM manager at Integrated BIM. He is also a, a YouTuber. Hello, Hassan. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Petru. I'm doing fine. So thank you for inviting. And I'm really excited to have a talk. I think it will be uh, an interesting talk because two YouTubers talking about some topics on BIM, it's really exciting. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, thank you for coming. Do you have a presentation that you would like to share and uh, start talking about this? Yes, I do have actually prepared something um, prior to the meeting. So just to give a bit more structure on it. So if you want, we can jump into that or... After you, have you quickly other... present yourself, please. Sorry about this. Please introduce yourself. But I do have that in my presentation as well. <laughs> okay, then do it there. Yeah, you because it will be twice in. otherwise. It, it will be twice otherwise, you know? Yeah. No so, problem. okay. So I will share my screen then. Okay. Today, I will be talking a little bit about what Integrated BIM does and what we are performing behind the scenes and what kind of um, achievements we are doing with Integrated BIM. And um, obviously, I will just give, want to give you a kind of a snapshot of the content that I will be talking, some few projects we have been um, working on. And these are actually, on purpose, we have been working on hundreds of projects. So these projects are just some of them on purpose that I have chosen. For example, the one on the uh, top left corner is um, a manufacturing project. On the bottom left corner is manufacturing assembly, how we are doing that. And on the right-hand side, it's, uh, it's a, multi, a multidisciplinary model where we co co coordinate and collaborate all the trades. So, um, but before that, I'm not like a kind of a random person who talks about um, uh, BIM and, uh, and came to your channel. So it's actually, I do have also a YouTube channel. Uh, we are almost close to the 2000 subscribers as well. It's a new channel, I think it was, yeah. So it was, it was about like last year, uh, March we started. I think it was kind of a few months before you got started as well into the um, YouTube world. It's really exciting. So, and it's really, I mean, uh, seeing these numbers growing is really, Know, like um, achievement for us because there's a lot of effort goes behind the scenes for that. Well, and I know. if I'm also, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of effort is going there. Yeah, I mean, we do have a team obviously that helps me all the time with all the work because it's incredible amount of workload, and and I'm glad to see that people are um, appreciating it. Also, I'm very active in LinkedIn, so if you want to connect, that is my LinkedIn. Um, also, these are certificates. Some of them, I do have quite a lot of them as well, but I didn't have the time to update those pieces. I constantly try to take new accreditation and new, you know, like um, courses or whatever there is in the new industry to improve my education and knowledge. So um, obviously, day, day to day, what I do work is I do work at Integrated BIM. And Integrated BIM is more about uh, providing services, consultancy. It starts with BIM modeling. It goes, there is a uh, project and BIM management. We also do uh, construction simulation and BIM implementation. So these are like very much one-stop uh, for BIM uh, services. Mainly people are coming to us because in the industry, there's so much technology now, especially since five years uh, from the, like uh, lately, we have lots of technologies coming in and lots of startup companies bringing some automations and some new tools. And it's very hard to um, find the right tools as well as 
find the right processes, workflow to get the uh, to get to achieve um, the success in the projects as well, high return on investment. That's what we are doing. So they are coming to us. We are preparing them A to Z for everything. And lately, we also launched um, our, our marketing because we have been so much into marketing since one year, since this one year. And our marketing team has so much expertise now in the construction industry, and they're working hand in hand with project managers and architects and so forth. So we decided to uh, launch a subcompany. Uh, I'm founder of both companies. So AEC Influence was specifically uh, dedicated to the uh, marketing services for the construction industry. So we provide our experience, uh, experience and even like a few things, like when you say BIM, it's very hard to explain BIM, what does it mean? What kind of value it brings, the value proposition to a marketing specialist? They don't understand. But our marketing specialists pass through courses, work with us for a year and understanding all these, you know, like little things. And we know what architect needs because we work with architects. We know what contractor needs. We know what developer needs. And also, uh, and then we are providing these experience to the marketing team to give the right content and the, the uh, right approach. So I think it is getting so far very well as well on this side. So enough with marketing. So let's go through the learning material. So as I said, uh, there are some... Sorry yeah. for jumping in. I want to interrupt you here and ask you something yeah. else. Uh, before here, how did you get here? What is your background? How, how did you okay. get to this point? Okay, that's a good question. So um, I said a little bit like autobiography here. So I jumped into the construction industry uh, as an architectural technologist and construction manager uh, program. I uh, went there in Denmark uh, about over 10 years ago. And when I went there, um, I learned about the BIM and I became very much enthusiastic on BIM. So when I became like a BIM enthusiast, I started um, tutoring and helping people. And then when I went to, especially Erasmus in Malta, I saw that the Malta is so much uh, not using BIM. It was like all in 2D and traditional workflows. So it was a very good um, chance for me to introduce all these. And I became um, popular and I was working with Autodesk reseller, learning more about the tools, taking the exams, training um, like professionals around, like companies who want to implement BIM. I was helping all those and I was working with a quite multidisciplinary large scale company who is delivering a hospitality project over um, 100 million or sometimes even 500 million Corinthia projects. It's actually working under the Corinthia Group, um, which is a five-star hotel chain, um, um, came from Malta. So um, I, when I was like working there and implementing BIM, and I was like getting more and more knowledge. So I was like saying, okay, I, I might be able to um, let, because I was very active in different forums, uh, different communication platforms. I was helping other people voluntarily. So there were like few requests coming in, like to help them. And they were like, um, like trying to collaborate with me as much as possible. So I get, got a lot of referrals and I got to a little bit of the freelance world as well, doing a job on my own. So I've went obviously full-time doing freelance, helping with different companies, uh, consulting and getting the models, like one person basically delivering all these services, then I decided to build a team that can deliver much better stuff. So I took a bit long on this one, but yeah, this is a kind of the journey that I proceeded. That's very interesting. Not the most traditional uh, path, but it, it's very nice. You started from somewhere and you built up on everything and you got here. Congratulations for that. I really like your, your journey. 
Thank you very much. Obviously, the journey started, as I said, architecture, technology, and construction management. So it was more on the management and technology side. And then I studied, which I missed to say, when I went to Malta, I studied architecture and I graduated Bachelor of Architecture from there. So, um, but I didn't want to go in this field because I was so much enthusiast into BIM and project management. So I wanted to continue there. But it gave me so much understanding on the architects and the construction industry world, why the issues are arising and how to communicate with them. So it is like, still helping me a lot to this day yeah that's that's very very cool uh now i'll ask you one last question regarding your background and after that you can go on uh, full steam with your presentation sure uh, you you said you worked in malta uh, where yes. are you from and where do you live right now Okay, so that's a very good question. Actually, uh, our entire team is remote, especially since the corona came, we decided to make directly everything remote because in Malta, um, one of the countries, I mean, one of the rare countries, uh, I would say, maybe apart from the United States, a lot of multinational people. So I never felt myself there living many years as a foreigner. So it was more like I was part of the part of Malta. So Denmark, I love Denmark. Uh, it was uh, a lot of experience there and a bit of a different culture as well. But um, you always, you know, like have the foreign language barrier. You have always, you know, like you feel yourself slightly more foreigner than in comparison to you. There are Danish people and you are foreigner. There's nothing wrong in this. So this is the normal, uh, normal thing. I understand that. But in Malta, um, it was more like an international uh, level of collaboration. So I that's why I prefer to stay there. One of the main reasons that of basically the culture and feeling that multinationality. So that was one of my, um, you know, like success bringing, able to bring people because people wanted to have work in Malta just because they love the island. They love, you know, like the summertime over there. Uh, they love um, all the uh, Malta benefits bring with the climate and um, the attraction area and the touristic area things. So it was I was able to build the local team there. So I'm from actually Bulgaria, um, uh, but I'm originally Turkish. So it's a little bit complicated. I lived in Turkey, Bulgaria, Denmark, uh, Malta, and now I'm living uh, for, for the last couple of months in Germany. Okay. Do you plan to stay longer in Germany or is it just temporary? I think I will be staying here for the next year. I will be doing some local market works. Um, and depending on that, uh, how much I need to stay here, depending on that, I mean, I will decide whether I should be able to um, move to another country to explore or uh, go back to one of the countries I were. Okay, awesome. Please go ahead. All right, so um, I would like to go to a little bit education side of this one because um, I want to give something more to the audience who are, who are like if you are watching this um, this video. So this part of the um, the talk will be more about education and learning some things. So you know that in the industry um, we have lots of technology coming in so it was penetrated a lot now we don't have a lot of technology coming in and uh, we do have new standards all the time coming in the workflows all the time discussed by different professionals and experts in the field and there is a huge management boom coming in because you need to manage all these data information flow and technology so that's a little bit challenging and the people don't understand that this actually everything is integrated because if you don't um, if you don't choose the right tools, right technology, and um, and then um, if you do best if you have the best standard, best workflow and management system, it will not work anyway. So if one of these fail, 
you will not have a really um, proper BIM and efficient BIM, uh, BIM where you can get most return on investment. So people are tend to miss all these main points of the BIM. And one of the things that people try to kick BIM in concept design. So they generally jump into concept design, they get the building design idea, they get all this information, and then they say, hey, we need, I think we can, we can do BIM, so we get some savings on the building and or uh, overall some cost savings. But people, again, I'm all the time repeating it, they don't understand that when you engage stakeholders, it's very difficult to change the perception and the contracts and all those, you know, like workflow chain, uh, supply chain, how you are really putting it, the project together. So the real thing that you need to bring it is better if you're doing the preparation and brief, but in the strategic definition, which is very little amount of people are really doing in a strategic definition because they don't really want to invest in the consultants, understand the reason, the risk involved, and so forth. But they need to uh, seek for advice and understand why really they need to get it in strategic definition. Just because if you have everything defined in a strategic definition, that BIM consultant can help you to achieve a right contract, a right supply chain, so you don't have any pain points throughout the entire life cycle. So that's very important. Most of the time, uh, designer delivers information to the uh, owner or delivers information to the um, to the project manager or other stakeholders based on their preference or based on their needs. So I saw, obviously I don't have this image here. I saw one image where they were like showing a Polish 3D model and what is behind the scenes of that 3D model. It is like the render looks amazing, but actually modeling work is just doesn't work. It's just um, made to um, hold for that particular angle. So if you just look from a different angle, it's really a bad quality model or information. So um, that is a problem because owners are really not identifying the information need. What do they need? So that's really missing from the owners. They think they say, I want BIM most of the time. And they I think that everyone knows uh, and knows what BIM means, but everyone can misinterpret it, interpret it in different ways, put it to their own interest. Because when we work with the architects, obviously if they're, uh, if they're our, um, I mean, they choose as a consult, if an architect chooses us as a consultant, we'll, we seek for their interest. We want to get most out of them for the, that particular uh, stakeholder because they're working with us and we want to give most return on investment to them. So again, the owner as well needs to define the right information they need. If they require more than what they need, problem here is that the risk and the budget goes up because you need more information than you actually, actually need. If you, uh, if you are just understating it, then you're leaving it open-ended so everyone can deliver whatever they think is right um, to, to enclose this project or hand over this project. So the main point over here, what I'm trying to say, you need to define a purpose. Most of the owners or architects or any other um, client that we have, they lack this answer. When we ask, what is the purpose? They say, oh, we want to save time. We want to save costs. We want to save uh, conflicts. We want to save this. But there are so many things. Of course, we might cover potentially certain portion of all of them. But again, we need to define clearly with straight to the point, what is the purpose? Is the purpose getting the quality and um keeping the budget and the time within the time frame that, we, that, that was envisaged? Or is it the cost that we are trying to lower as much as possible? So there, is, there should be clear 
a point exactly what is the purpose and we need to work our energy around that purpose. Otherwise, it doesn't become tailored, doesn't become custom a workflow, custom supply chain. So, and then it's again, open-ended. You don't know where it goes. So, because there's so much information, right? So there's so much um, like different workflows, different suggestions, a lot of people involved. You need to manage that. So if you have the right purpose, you can choose all, you can tick out all the right things and then you can put things and you obviously have to understand for, um, I mean, you, you need to understand how people are really uh, thinking and how like to manage the resources because every resource will come with different experience and different mindset. You need to know how to put them in the process as well. So the people is a very important part of the entire process. So that's why I put the people in the middle and all the other tools, standards, uh, workflows, ideas around them. So this is very important to understand. Um, and when we define the purpose, so there are lots of information going on, as we discussed, and all this information has to be managed. So if you don't manage that information, what happens in the end that you, be, you don't become, you know, satisfied with the, with the end result because you say, oh, we invested so much, but we are not getting the real return we are looking. Okay, it was a learning curve in the next project, we will uh, succeed a bit more. But if you do the same mistakes in the next project, it again repeats itself. So basically you fail, you have to fail a lot and there's a thin line between fail and success, which is the learning. So you need to fail a few things and then you need to learn and not to repeat the same mistakes to, um, in order to improve the uh, reach of the success. So with us over 10 years, working with so many projects and so many individual um, stakeholders and uh, prospects and so forth, we have failed so many times on, on multiple things that now we can, uh, we can say that, okay, we know what we are doing because we have did these things in a wrong way before we tested different workflows. Some of them failed, some of them uh, succeeded. And now we know why they have failed, why they succeeded, so we know that exactly what they need. So, and we constantly try to, whatever doesn't work, we try to learn and then try to build on top of it in order to make it to the success. So uh, let me show you one of the projects of this one. So for example, you can see that on the bottom side, there is a render um, of that project, um, a VR, and the on the top side, the real construction. But I don't want to really say the architecture or how the building looks. We are more looking on the enclosure. And I would like to actually show you, rather than the model uh, and the uh, render and so forth, I would like to show you the BIM side of it. So if I open the BIM side of it, what I want to show here is that we are doing manufacturing uh, workflow with uh, using Autodesk Revit. Here, again, our aim is not to promote Revit uh, or any other software. It's about thinking, making think people to understand that actually Revit is, there is an architecture side of it, structure side of it, and um, MEP side of it, but it can actually really boil down to find the right tool. For example, in, our, in this case, for us, the right tool was Revit and to get to the manufacturing level. And how do we really get to manufacturing level? You can see that we are actually assembling all these uh, components with individual components. So there are loads of individual families involved in this. You can get even the, all the length, all the cut angles, everything for the manufacturing needs. So uh, the guy in the shop can simply go here and okay, say, wow, I can get all the information I need and I can see how much it cuts because this is a stock length. Um, so the length of the um, length of this uh, item is one for four because that is the stock lengths we are getting. So and then you need to see you can see the angle cut from this side and then there's another piece coming here. So this information is so useful 
um, for people, uh, from at the, especially at the shop, they know what where this piece is really going and how um, the project is really working to uh, identify a lot of queries. So there are lots of information here, but the problem is this. When you have multiple similar projects, the purpose here was when we did this project is not to do this level of detail and that level of information only for this project. We wanted to do it like parametric modeling, how we can create this kind of projects very quickly uh, with set of standards, set of um, uh, the prefabricated elements and assemble them together like a Lego and use already created Legos to slight modification to create new projects and how can it be like so much efficient and without pro problems and we can get bill of materials, bill of quantities right from the beginning of the project. So, and there are a few other things that I will be explaining um, on the way forward. Um, and this way we could, we was able to get all these um, data that I was like saying and workflow um, items in the right, um, in the right quality in the right time. So if I go into the, um, into the BIM 360, which I would like to show you, um, here, um, where you can see um, one second here. If I, I can jump in one second, yeah. what happening if you export to IFC your model? I've seen you use Enscape to to yes. show that. How yeah. how what software does a manufacturer needs to use? Can you just export from Revit? It will export with the same amount of information, such that manufacturer can just use a free IFC viewer. To read that information? Okay, that's a, that, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. And again, that is one of the main things that we discussed, uh, what I mentioned in the beginning, the purpose. Do we need to go open BIM or not? In this case, for this particular project, we said we will be staying with the vendor just because we can get all these level of detail, which IFC cannot give us. However, if, you, if we decided to go open BIM side, we could also get this uh, similar level of detail with the open website. So we could do it. But at this point, we are trying to stick with the, just because of the software render, just because there's a better integration between their softwares and the cloud and all those stuff, because the shop can simply go on this model and they can just see, you know, like all this information from here, from their iPad, tablet or software, whatever. So it's a seamless integration. So they don't need another software, which can practically cause some geometry issues. Yeah, okay, I understand. All right, so, and basically, so for, apart from the render, you, this is also been front of 60 model. So there's a two views of retraction and how it could be enclosed, where you can, uh, obviously it takes a bit of time to load um, just because there's so many components inside it. There are even screws inside it. And so to get all this information. But if we go to, to the information area here, uh, I can actually show you also from in, uh, in Revit, so you can see all those drawing packages, including all the information for the shop to cut, to prepare, the package to install on site, everything is prepared a right um, away. So, and then the good thing is that we can do this so fast because we have been building all these parametric, logical, um, and the right supply chain, right workflow. So we know exactly uh, what kind of um, amendments that can be done. So if we need angle to be changed, we can change angles of the roof. Uh, we can increase the size, the length, the height. Uh, we can increase, uh, we can say, for example, the anvil. Sometimes we use different trims. We can change different trims. Just check it, check in, check out. Um, there are lots of things that go into the process, but it's so fast because we, we have been preparing exact workflow. 
So if I go back to the Revit model, so I will be able to show you here, um, right there. So here I will be able to show you, for example, the level of detail we're going. You can even get all the uh, location points for the keys uh, and then all the schedules uh, for the particular cuts that you need to do um, and everything basically from BIMs to end caps to the glazing. So it's part of, if you think about it, it's a curtain wall or curtain system. So you have all the information uh, from the glass spacers the connectors, the face, the face seals, and all this information. Obviously, some of them is not existing in this project, so that's why we numbered them differently. So most probably this is existing there, and these are non-existing. So in order to renumber things, uh, we don't we didn't want to lose those sheets just in case they, if they kick in uh, back to the project. So uh, and then we do have also like anvil, um, for example, old connectors. Look at the anvil. Um, okay, so we don't have the two anvils because we could combine them in one sheet. Depending on the project size, sometimes we need two sheets. So that's why we are trying to split it as much as possible. Um, but at the same time, not to have too many sheets because they need to print them, um, some of them. So mm, to have a, enough information in particular sheet. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really detailed. This, uh, I mean, it, it's incre incredible that how much this would take you from the traditional workflows. And they weren't actually going that level of detail because it was impossible and it was taking so long to get information. But now um, they can get this kind of information because it's so quick and it's taking even much, much less time than they were traditionally doing much, much less output. And even we can get the cut glazing sheet so we can stock elements, how much the glazing will be uh, generated, uh, cut and uh, placed. So we can save uh, a lot of glazing area and then even the bill of materials, the entire bomb of what needs to be ordered right from the beginning of the project. All right. So um, basically, coming back to coming back to the next um, to the presentation. So this was about the manufacturing level, and the next thing that I would like to discuss is very important because we need to understand the supply chain. We wouldn't be able to achieve this kind of workflow if we didn't have. High level and a detailed, obviously I didn't put the detailed here because it is very long and it would have taken a lot of time for me to, to, sub, um, to cut them in place in multiple locations and connect them. But the idea is that we have a very detailed supply chain method that we know exactly when the change comes in, when we update few materials. In the endscape, if I go back to the endscape, you know, if I go back to here, for example, you can see two lengths information, which I know that um, it's a bit of confusing at this point, but um, we are making sure that the shop doesn't get um, this information unless they just click over here and they see the both information, which they know that this is not existing. We already communicated this efficiently with them. But the idea is that we are upgrading certain things in the system. So we have a workflow. So we, we know that how we can, how smoothly we can upgrade them and that's inside the um, supply chain method. So we know that we need to upgrade certain things because obviously products are improving, the designs are improving, we get a new design uh, constraints and so forth. And then we are integrating those new things into the model so it can get more information more efficiently. The next thing I would like to talk about is something connected, but it's a little bit more interesting, I would say. It is about um, 4D and uh, construction timeline. How are we following it and how, how are we doing it? Again, one of the main things, the purpose, and this time I will be telling you again, but the purpose was creating assembly and construction simulation to be a manual. 
Manual, what do I mean by manual? We want to send this to the uh, site supervisor. It depends, obviously, how um, the assembly is done. If it's done by a subcontractor or someone else, we want to send, it, send this a manual so they can actually um, see, see like, uh, as if you are getting something from the IKEA and you know how to put things up because they have a manual. They say, do this one first, do this one second, and do this one third. And you need so many of tools. You need so many of uh, screws. You need so many of people. And then you can assemble this together. It's something similar. Uh, and then there is another part of it, which if we are um, assembling it ourselves. So um, the contractor assembles it our, um, himself. So when they do it um, themselves, obviously there's a different approach as well. So we had to have two different approaches, the two different manuals, one for, for them specifically, which doesn't, they didn't have to include so much details, um, but to be to the purpose that they can do it very efficiently. They can see how much it will take. And if everything is right, if the site constraints are good and all this stuff, and the other is more about explaining um, how it would work. But every project is different. So how do we do it? Um, what we did is basically we did a certain part of the um, animation. Uh, we did it in a way that uh, it is repeatable. So it can be uh, used in multiple projects of the same type. And then we used other parts of, uh, of the project that is uh, repeatable. So this was just an overall, um, obviously when I, if I open the video, uh, the real video that we have, it's in our YouTube channel as well. If people want to, um, if anyone wants to watch the full video, uh, but if I open the video here, it won't be, we even show the screws, for example, here. So even the screws and all the, the nuts and bolts, everything, everything. We show um, all the hardware and the, the components. So um, this was ex this is not a manual that we are delivering to the particularly to the to the um, uh, to the client or the subcontractor, but this was just to showcase what we are capable of delivering. So theirs is more oriented to the like a manual. They they can they can guide like step by step how they can put things together much much e uh, easier. And one other thing we had an issue is that when we hire a subcontractor, when they see all this documentation like. I mean, like if I just literally scroll through the pages like this, all these documentation, they'd say, oh, what is this project? I mean, God, it's so complicated, you know? Um, and this is like the cover sheet. They say, oh, this is so much work. And when we send the video after that, I mean, like the manual and they were like, okay, it's clear now. We have this many people, this many things. And the risk went down and the price significantly went down. And we're like, we were able to save so much cost and which is bring return of investment immediately from the first manual and we would be able to reuse that material a lot of the time so it was just um, a very good decision for us to move this direction all right and the last project that i'd like to discuss for you is uh, an interesting one as well because this is uh, located in la california and i would like to say that we will be also taking this one in the 40 so we will be able to do construction animation for that because we are um, working with the general contractor who is the owner of the um, the the building as well um, the uh, the thing is that we will use subcontractors um, to uh, to assemble all these so the, he's a general contractor and we will have uh, individual trades um, to assemble all this building together and what we will do is we will do the 40 of that. So we already have the 3D model. We are doing the final QA and final bits and pieces and collaborating with the architect engineer and manager of the clashes of the issues. Once we have all these sorted, um, we will be doing the trade packages and with the 4D information for them. And then this will significantly reduce the risks for the subcontractors 
which will bring the uh, cost um, to the right point for the general contractor. Also, there's one important thing here. We will be doing entire um, uh, uh, the contract. Obviously, they have their own like standard contracts in US, but we will be also putting BIM clauses inside. The reason is that we will be able to deliver IFC model of these, so which you asked for uh, before, like the how it will work with the IFC. This model will work very well with the IFC, so we will be delivering the IFC version of this model to the subcontractors to have an open tender. So they can bid for it, they can take the model, they can um, run through their um, cost simulation or cost um, uh, software and the uh, scheduling software so they can see uh, exactly how long it will take and what it will be the cost and they can give us the right price for it. So we are trying to reduce the risk significantly in order to get the right cost for the contractor. All right. So if I want to go to the, if you, if I can also demonstrate uh, that project as well, um, just to give you like level of de development and detail involved in that project. So if I close these, because I have opened a lot of sheets here. So maybe I need to go to 3D. This is the one. Yeah. So I can um, go on the visualization of the project. Did you model In the meantime, this? I can, yeah. Yes, our team modeled it. Okay. It was modeled manually or did you use Grasshopper or, uh, or Dynamo, sorry? Okay, so that's a very good question. We use some plugins, that's correct. We use some plugins, not Dynamo necessarily, but some, um, some plugins that will uh, help, that helped us to do things much, much faster than we actually do manually. Uh, but obviously we coordinated all the information delivered by the architect. So architect tried to deliver as little as information as possible. We were putting all the information for them into the BIM model, uh, engineer the same way and the mechanical engineer the same way. Uh, so they were putting their designs in and we were like putting their drawings together. And in the end, uh, we are bringing the drawings at the certain level that they are satisfied in. So they, we could get uh, literally the stamp from um, from them directly on those drawings. So that was a very efficient as well approach. Uh, but yeah, we use some plugins for them. Um, so obviously there are some issues that we have like this over here, the pipe they have drawn is was like, uh, it was not fitting on the floor. So we put it on purpose or outside. So we took cover those issues. So there are some QA stuff that we are running right now. And this model, obviously after the uh, tender and after construction, this will be asset model. So they will be keeping this model um, and they will be renting all the units um, for a quite long term. So yeah, they will keep it as an asset. So we want to manage all the information right there. Yeah, looks very nice. I can take all the questions. You can take all the questions. Yes. Well, I, I asked you during the interview, uh, what are your plans from now on? So that's a very good point. Uh, again, this was like they were deciding to move this one uh, a bit higher up. And it was like, um, because um, they didn't provide information to the cat properly. So obviously mistakes happen. So the, our aim thing was like, hey, if we put it like that height, this is the clash we're getting. So I mean, like you need to correct your design decision. So I'm closing this. Um, our goals is um, we are growing currently. So that's a very good sign for us. We are really into the business, really growing, getting a lot of projects now. 
uh, a lot of recognition. So that's a really good sign uh, that we are delivering high quality project. We have a lot of long-term collaboration with some clients. We have been working for the um, last um, three years since the launch of the company. Uh, with some of them, I was working as a as an individual uh, freelancer, and then uh, when I launched the company, we were working as a company with them, and this was like over five years. So yeah, I mean, we are doing a lot of uh, work. I think what we are going to do is um, the uh, integrated BIM. I want to you know like um, take it to the next level. Most probably put some solutions in the market as well, our own solutions that we are facing uh, with, um, sometimes we are not able to find the right solutions, especially for manufacturing stuff. Um, and we wanted to try to do not, not to base it on vendor because vendors, we don't never, we never know. Uh, the market after 10 years can go down and, and now it's a one vendor is very dominant, but after 10 years, that vendor might not be any dominant. So we don't want to depend on that vendor. So that's why I think OpenBIM, I really support OpenBIM. I think we need to go that direction. So, um, and the, yeah, I mean, the, our primary thing right now, we are doing the consultation work, but we'll be keep doing it because um, we're doing a great job there. So uh, we are also like uh, did another company, as I said, AC Influence. We really want that company to grow as well. So I will be next year, uh, the, by, by 2022, um, end of 2022, I think we will be really, uh, it will be self-dependent company and running on its own um, with, uh, with um, less input from me. I think that's what I'm envisaging there as well. Nice. Big plans. Good luck with yeah. that. I, I had no doubt you'll, uh, you'll get where you want to get. Thank you very much. So that's why, obviously, one of the things that uh, we want to do is the YouTube channel uh, to educate people, to showcase our expertise, um, to share knowledge. So that was one of the um, things. And I'm glad that there are more and more channels coming into the uh, on board. Like, for example, you are doing, you're inviting multiple guests and you're trying to deliver value to, to the viewers uh, by watching individual episodes, but how these individual people have different expertise and those expertise, how they can, how they can take something from those expertise, right? So those talks. So I think um, you will also have more and more uh, viewers with time because these are valuable information. Thank you. I hope so. If you can go to your presentation, please. I have a question regarding the. Uh, you have a schema there, a diagram, some diagrams here. No, this no, no. One? yeah, here. You are talking about this workflow. The, have you used Plannerly on this project? Do you yes. see? Yes, obviously okay. that's that's a good that's a good point. So um, we actually have a tunnel here open for you. So we do have plenarily all the issues that we are facing, uh, like uh, the where we are facing the you know like the dimension issues, and we cannot fit those standards. We are actually it's not for issue management. No, but no, no, of course. We are doing you know like trying to collaborate with it. So the only thing we are lacking is, for example, um, with the issue management software. Uh, if it, there was a direct link with the Plannerly, that would have been amazing. So we didn't have to use hundreds of other tools all around. It's like to, it's very difficult uh, also for our stakeholders to collaborate with us because if we use, I'm just giving example, 10 products, they also have to use 10 products to collaborate with us and to get most benefit. And that's very difficult. So I was thinking the same. That should be possible because uh, like, for example, Bing Collab, has integrations with softwares like uh, VREX, which is a virtual reality software. 
So I think should be possible to build a bridge between these two tools or beam track or other tools. But yeah, uh, I'm most known with the uh, beam collab. So that's why I'm saying I'm mentioning them. Uh, and uh, I was thinking the same way because in a way you do much of the same thing. Like you write about issues and such, right? So in a way you do double work, but at the same time you have things that don't overlap each other. Like uh, Beam Collab does it, its thing, like coordinating between uh, all the designers, between disciplines and between uh, different softwares. And uh, Planarly uh, has the documentation, right? The uh, Beam uh, execution plan and all the other documentations that you can uh, marry these both uh, worlds into something that can, uh, can have a huge uh, potential, yes. Absolutely. I, I think um, you're right and you have a very good point there. And um, one of the most important things is that we need a more um, software like, for example, um, Zapier uh, or else Slack or else similar software where you can have a lot of integrations, lots of lots of integrations. So why people choose Slack? Because they love the integrations. They want to, whatever they say from the email, they can just put it quickly in the Slack chat. Uh, they can get something, uh, they can put it in the Slack chat. They can even connect Dynamo with the Slack. You know, if you get issues uh, and you just all, like all notifications will go to the Slack or Zapier, for example, some automations, if you do this, you will get this. So you just put the rules there. So I think that is very important. For example, if there are tools like this in the in an industry that are efficient, uh, we can use them to combine even uh, multiple software products. So even though they don't have direct integrations, we they can all have with one integration, uh, one one product or few products that are like um, a lot of integrations. So we can combine everything to there. So that's also another possibility. Yeah, that that's a good idea. That's a good startup idea. Maybe I'll I'll start working on that. <laughs> There is there no are, product, There, there right? are a few, few organizations. There are a few organizations doing that. Okay. And the, what, what product? Why don't you use it? Then? I mean, the thing is that um, I didn't have time to actually explore that because lately it was like so much work we are getting in. Uh, I'm not complaining on that. Obviously, this is good. So obviously, um, it's now I'm building um, a specific uh, part of the uh, uh, department that are doing constantly research and development because um, there are so many tools coming in, so many startups coming in. And yeah, and we need to all the time learn and keep up to date with all the software products. So um, it's difficult, you know, like I know that it's good to have a lot of options, but it's difficult also to manage all the knowledge. I mean, we have one diagram. I mean, I think we have over hundred software that are useful, like primary software. I'm talking about primary software in the industry to use. So it's crazy. There is an overflow of information and now the challenge is not that we don't have the information, we have too much and we need to be smart how we filter this and how to, uh, it's very important to, to know how to pick the right information and there is a risk in that, right? The right tools. Well, I think we're good here. Thank you very much for uh, your presentation. It was very nice and I am on the same page with a lot of uh, what you have shown me here. And... Uh, we need to uh, to keep this fight going on until we uh, we will get uh, this industry um, more productive and more uh, progressive. Absolutely, and one of the things that um, I'm always mentioning is that uh, people do not really understand the basics of BIM, and that is the main thing. And we are not getting them to learn more about it. They get few uh, sentences from our internet, and they think they understand BIM. 
but it is um, so difficult to explain the real uh, value proposition. So um, that is the main difficulty we are getting. But um, like one of the talks that we had, for example, with Jonathan Ingram uh, in our BIM talks uh, in the, by Integrated BIM, and we were talking about a retail information modeling. And they were saying, we are able to sell this easily to the retail market because we immediately tell about the cost, we immediately tell about the profits they are going to make margins, all this stuff right from the beginning. They understand much more uh, easily and we could sell it very fast. Um, and one of the things that we are spending in the BIM industry, I think the problem is we are spending so much time with pitching to people um, to pull them towards BIM. But instead, to actually come towards BIM and we should spend those energy on giving them most benefits. So that is, I think, one of the things that in the industry should change in the future years. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's changing slightly, slowly, slowly, and especially with the pandemic. Obviously, I know it's a very bad situation and so forth. But I think on somewhat, um, obviously, I'm trying to go look every, all the time from the positive side of the things. So I think it helped somehow um, the construction industry digitalize further because people were aware now, okay, what happens if we are not sitting next to each other and asking all the time questions, how we can communicate more efficiently and how we can collaborate much, much more uh, productively. Well, as you said, it's an unfortunate situation, but it has not been only a small progress. It's been a huge jump, if you ask me. Like, I think it has a tremendous impact, this. It pushes us much, much further out of, uh, of our comfort zone. And it forced us to work in new, new ways, more effective ways. And I'm not saying that because just I think it's cool. Uh, I, I discussed with uh, people from different companies, from uh, consultants, but mostly from uh, contractors. Because they're like, as consultants, maybe it's easier to work digitally, right? But uh, with the contractors, it's not so easy. Like you need to be on site. So you, it's a bigger challenge. So there has been a huge uh, step up, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. So I think it was it was touching to the old industry to digitalize. Even contractors now start digitalizing themselves and trying to collaborate everything and try to go to the point. So they don't try to waste time now on site. They are trying to, you know, because if they have less opportunity to go site and it's more difficult for them to reach there, they would want to finish more things uh, beforehand. So that's also, I, I agree with you. I think that's a good point from the contractor point of view. How can people reach to you? You mentioned in the beginning, but let's uh, repeat that at the end as well. Okay, so um, if the people simply write integrated them in YouTube, they will be able to see those, uh, see our, you know, like channel, but, and then we have all the links there, but uh, our website is integratedbim.com. So basically it's integratedbim.com directly. And uh, in LinkedIn, if they want to reach me personally, so directly that they can also write the linkedin.com in Hassan Numer. Um, and yeah, so I will be happy to accept and collaborate, share information definitely. So um, I would like to um, connect more and more like-minded people um, because I think sharing is caring. So I'm very active there trying to share as much as I can uh, to uh, showcase, demonstrate what's going on in the industry. Even um, we are doing um, next week, uh, BIM News. This is the first uh, episode that we are going to do uh, in Integrated BIM. It's a new idea, actually. We never talked this one. I know it's from time to time we are talking to each other and uh, like um, bouncing ideas. But this idea came 
uh, about like uh, in our last team meeting we had with our um, internal team. And um, this BIM news is going to be like, because the problem is that there's so much information going, right? We just discussed this. There's so many things going on and you don't have the time to review all this stuff. And I was like um, thinking, like we're discussing with the team, how we can really bring and make it easy for the people. So we decided to use uh, BIM news um, uh, episodes uh, where we will be covering um, the most trending BIM news that there are in industry going on at that point. So there will be like, we'll live, there will be questions coming in and we will be having some, you know, like discussions on these, whether it's a good impact or bad impact or some, you know, like personal knowledge experience on, and so forth. So this will be, I think, very beneficial for um, audience who are seeking for knowledge. And sometimes if you're busy, you can get all the information within half an hour or 40 minutes uh, right away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I know, uh, you know, I did some, uh, I used to do some live stream in January and February and some of my episodes, I just went over uh, news. So uh, it's definitely something cool. And especially if you do uh, like, uh, I would focus to make them as compact as possible. If you want, I'm not giving you advice, but some tips, maybe if you can call it, make it as compact as possible. Because um, our time is the most valuable resource, right? And um, it's important to spend it wisely. Absolutely. And that's what we are thinking to, to cover because there are lots of news. So uh, like right now we have so many things to cover. So the problem I'm seeing it now, how I'm going to deliver it, if there will be a presentation, uh, but it will take so much time as well. So or else are we going to put the links uh, and then opening the link by link and showing um, team information? I think that's how we are going to do it for the, for the beginning and seeing how it goes. We might also do some um presentations but you're right so i think we should uh, i will be running all the information obviously in advance and knowing what i'm talking and i will be getting all the points right away to the audience so they don't have to we don't have to you know like search for information for 10 minutes and the actual live talk is like anyway yeah uh 40 minutes or 30 minutes yeah yeah awesome hasan thank you very much for coming along good luck with uh, all your projects and we stay in touch yeah, thank you very much for inviting. It was a pleasure and I hope it was beneficial to the audience. Take care. I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be very useful. Thank you. You too. Thanks.